You're listening to The Retail Perch with Shake and Raman and Gary Hawkins. We're going to discuss industry challenges and opportunities in grocery retail, AI, current and upcoming trends, and so much more. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of The Retail Perch. And here we are back again talking about technology and trends in the grocery retail sector. And uh, last episode, we talked about why personalization, why is it important? And we talked a little bit about the history with uh, with Gary, our co-host. And, uh, you know, Gary's obviously had many years of experience running his own supermarket. So I want to do a quick recap on what we talked about uh, in terms of personalization and how it is relevant to the supermarket industry. So Gary, just picking up from our conversation previously in the previous episode, tell us a little bit about, you know, in your capacity as a retailer, how did you go about, what was the process that you undertook which was like 10, 15 years ago, but a lot of the technologies that exist today didn't exist back right. then. What was your approach? It's sort of frightening to say, Shader, but it's really been almost 30 years now since I launched the, that original loyalty program, right? But it, it really, our approach really evolved as we went along. You know, it began with uh, a bus customer focus, right? So at a very high level understanding, you know, the approximately 30% of shoppers generated around 80% of uh, total sales volume over a year. So we, we simply began to focus on those folks and providing them uh, periodically incremental savings just for them on certain products. There was no personalization involved because quite honestly at the time, the technology didn't allow us or enable us to do that. Uh, so we would just take popular items around the store, you know, maybe milk or Coca-Cola or whatever, and mail those best customers a coupon, paper coupon that they'd have to bring into the store to scan to get those savings. The, the next iteration of that, and it was tied to our deploying a new POS system that supported pricing by customer segment. So we, you know, began to evolve towards uh, thinking of a sort of customer category management, you know, created, we, I think we had seven segments of shoppers, you know, new lapsed, and then, you know, gold, silver, bronze, uh, whatever we were uh, calling them. So we began to do pricing by those segments. So we would extend maybe a, you know, really low price or very aggressive price to gold customers that they could get electronically when they shopped and identified themselves. And, and you know, we, we worked with that for a while until the first engine that supported personalization right through how we begin to think of it today, you know, algorithm driven uh, uh, personalization. And I'm going back probably 15 years or so ago when we began doing that. And it was, uh, again, not for all shoppers, uh, because we were bearing the cost of all those discounts for the most part. You know, we'd put together an offer pool of maybe a hundred, couple hundred items and, you know, run it through this engine uh, for the, the top, you know, 10%, 20% of shoppers. Um, and that's really where we stayed for quite some time. Yeah, even that was way ahead of what uh, many others were doing at that time. So that's sort of the history of the evolution. But I, I think, you know, as we step back and look what's happening now, we look at what not only data is available, but what technology is enabling us to do. You know, I, I'd sort of flip the question back to you because you're, you're the technology. 
Yeah, so before you ask me that question, Gary, one important question, which is what was the cost to you to do this? I mean, what did you have to do internally within the organization? Was there an investment? Was it acquiring technology, people, or was it? So, so it was a good question, and it was all the above, right? So, you know, I had effectively a full-time person focused on this, so resource-wise, you know, yes, we had acquired and were using several different technologies from, you know, some of the, our listeners may remember the old market technics, or I'm sorry, market expert uh, system that was, you know, really the first database system for grocery retailers. We used that. And, and then we used uh, some of these other pieces that were from real young startup companies to do this targeting and so on. Much of it was in the early times communicated via direct mail. But, you know, going back 15 years or so ago, when we rolled out what we called Smart Shop at the time, we were using email, we were using the web, and at that time, we are also using kiosks in the store, where a shopper could simply walk in the door, put their finger down. We were using biometrics to ID the customer, and within a couple of seconds, it would kick out sort of their, their personalized shopping list of savings. Cool. This is cool stuff. Uh, this is 15 years ago. Right. This is 15 years ago. Wow. Gosh, 17 years ago now. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. All right. So, so moving on, uh, Gary, you were going to, you were going to ask. Yeah. So I, I think that not only all the data that's available today, but the available technologies today, you know, AI, machine learning, you know, all these, all these really powerful tools enable a whole different approach to this. And so, you know, I'd, I'd flip the question back to you, Shaker, as the, the, the technology expert here. Um, how are you seeing these new technologies helping retailers? What are some of the problems, you know, bird's eye has helped retailers solve when it comes to all this data, driving insights and taking action? No, great question, Gary. I, I think one of the things, you know, that's obviously changed in the world in the last uh, 12, 13 years is cloud, right? So previously, if you, in your IT departments, you had to buy actual physical hardware, set them up in your data center, and that implied you were limited with your processing capacity, right? There was only so much you could do if you needed to have another database with additional information that the machine had to be sized, acquired. You needed to have somebody who comes in and install it, administer these systems. So there were these incredible costs that were associated with scaling operations. Yeah. Uh, but what yeah. the cloud has really done is given infinite elasticity to compute and storage requirements. And that kind of changed the whole game. So, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners who are retailers, um, you know, they may or may not be on the cloud. They're probably still operating out of a, a little data center that they have in their premises. And, um, but one of the things that the cloud does is it reduces costs, it increases scalability, increases, increases elasticity, and actually prevents you from, you know, it helps you from recovering faster because now you're not physically located at a location, you know, so you, you kind of spread out, right? So yeah. there is all these additional technological advances that have happened in the last um, decade or so, which have completely changed the game on what you can do with the data, right? So the data was always there. The, the problem was 
how do you how do you get the appropriate infrastructure and size machine? So it was inconceivable. It was not. It was a non-starter because some of the some of these problems that we're trying to solve, Gary, require you know a huge amount of space. Right. And then you know every time you say, hey, I want to try something out new, now to go acquire another machine or add some storage, there were all costs and time delays involved. So you didn't have the ability to to experiment at the speed that you wanted to. You yeah. couldn't visualize data at the speed that you wanted to. Everything had to be kind of pre-planned, take months to execute before you saw the results. That fundamentally has changed the game. Yeah. So would it be fair to say that before the cloud, that the accessibility to this kind of technology was really limited to the very biggest companies that could afford all this stuff, you know, the, the data centers, all the boxes, all the, the analysts to crunch through data, et cetera. And, and the cloud has really made this more accessible to more retailers, even smaller retailers. Yeah, I mean, the word I would use is democratized, right? It's democratized yes. access to, you know, high performance computing, large data sets and the like. So I think that's the first thing that has fundamentally changed, right? The second thing is, of course, uh, I think, um, you know, larger companies tend to have more resources in terms of people who have the expertise to work on this data, right? Whether it's analytics or AI or machine learning, whatever it is that you want to do with the data. And I think that has uh, also shifted because, you know, there's a more decentralized approach. Now there's a bunch of startups that are able to provide services that you can partner with. And the turnaround time from going from data to getting some insights is shrinking, right? It's rapidly shrinking. Maybe it used to be months and now it's down to weeks and, you know, soon down to days and maybe down to hours in, in, in the near future and minutes, right? So I think that's the next second big shift is that there are now actually companies that you can partner up with that can give you access to those insights and capabilities. You don't have to necessarily have the talent in-house. And frankly, right. Gary, you know, you know, if you if you are a AI machine learning expert or a big data expert coming out of you know an institution, you know, uh, the first thought is not to go join a supermarket retail company as your first job. It's a great industry to work in, but I think the perception is that I want to go work in a tech company, right? Right. And so that's a, that poses an interesting challenge to a lot of retailers out there who are looking to get into the space where they want to leverage these new technologies. Is how do you even do it? Yes, I know it's out there, but I need a resource and talent in-house to do it. And so I think that's been solved to some degree. There's lots of solution providers out there that you can partner with. And, and, you know, and I think one of the concerns that people have is, okay, it's my data, it's, you know, customer identified data. But, I mean, this is my, you know, my treasure, right? And uh, yeah. there's plenty of things that secure that data that can mask all the, un, you know, fields that you don't want to expose and there's lots of protection you can put around it so that the data is still owned by you, but you're essentially licensing it to a provider to provide these insights. So I think those two things suddenly unlock possibilities. I think those are really great comments. Uh, you know, I've, I've talked to a couple of top 10 supermarket retailers just over the last month or two. And, you know, they shared with me that when it comes to, you know, IT and, and uh, developers, they're competing because everyone works remotely today. They're competing with the Facebooks, the Googles, the Apples of the world for top tier talent. 
and they simply can't afford to pay what these you know big tech companies can. So you, you're absolutely right. Right. Um, so, so I think uh, you know one thing is you know is it even possible to do it? If it's possible to do it, can I get the people who can do it? And the third is what do I want to do? Right. Yes. So and I think you know and how do I then go about doing it? So I think you know the what do you want to do? I think. Gary, you kind of answered it really well, which is, you know, your goal is to start thinking about personalization, not as this cool, shiny tool that, you know, people need to get, but you need to think about it as a strategy to go to market, which is, I really need to get to know my customers. And I think we've talked about this several times in our episodes where, you know, if you look at the history of grocery, it was really that corner store where the store owner knew everybody by name, you know, yeah. knew you intimately enough to have a conversation or a relationship. And, and I think when you think about what do I want to do, given that these uh, capabilities exist, is you want to somehow revive that one-on-one relationship with the customer, right? Yeah. And uh, while it's not physically possible to do it, um, you know, uh, it is possible to do it through data, right? Yes. And the engagement touch points that we have today. And so the question is, you know, how do I go about building that relationship with the customer, uh, if that's my goal, using the capabilities that I have today? And then we can yeah. get into the, the hows of how you go about doing it. Yeah, and just to reinforce that, you know, I, I, I believe, I've believed this for a long time, but certainly today, you know, I think any retailer needs to know their customers, right? If not individually, you know, by name and, and what they're purchasing, they need to have that, that customer intelligence. They need to understand how well they're retaining shoppers, what the mix of their, their customer base looks like in terms of higher spending versus lower spending shoppers. They need to understand all of that and incorporate that into how they manage and run their company especially today, right? And then, yes, it's going further. And then, okay, how can I use some of these latest technologies and tools to develop that relationship as you were just speaking to, but do it at scale and do it in a really meaningful, relevant way? Correct. And I think the other thing to think about, you know, while these capabilities exist, I think the legacy method of operating these retail stores they're, they're obviously not, they weren't tailored for the big data world or the cloud world. Right. So, you know, the data standards that have been adopted are very much operationally focused and they're not, you know, big data insight focused, right? From a perspective of, I just need to get this customer checked out as quickly as I can. I really don't care how the words are abbreviated on the receipt. Yep. I need to get paid and get to the next customer. So, I think that's the, from an implementation perspective, that's a challenge that we've talked about many times on our episodes on retail perch is standardization of the stuff. But I would, you know, I think one of the first things that retailers want to start doing is start thinking about, hey, how do I get prepared to make sure I take advantage of the cloud, all these cool technologies, you know, the solution providers that are out there, how do I make it work for me? And, you know, as a retailer, you know, that's one of the things that you can do is you can start thinking about, hey, I need to, at the very least, get some of my data in order, you know, clean up my house, get my data in order, right? 
Second is if you don't have any kind of loyalty program, which, which gets you customer identified data, it's not that I think a loyalty program is essential and, and a must to get this. There are lots of e-commerce websites out there that don't have loyalty data, but because of the fact that you're identifying yourself individually when you purchase, they have data on your purchase right. history. Right? Yep. So, and I think that's how you want to think about it. I just need to have customer identified transactions, right? And it doesn't, and I think most people tend to equate that with loyalty. And I think you want to maybe separate those two concepts, right, right. Gary? I, I completely agree with you, right? You know, I, I've said for many years that, you know, loyalty is really about data and about information. You know, the goal should be, how do I gain that data? How do I gain that intelligence on a majority of my shoppers and, you know, sales and transactions? I don't care how you do it, right? You know, a loyalty program has historically been the way to achieve that. But in today's world, as you just called out, you know, every time someone shops online, you've got all that by default. Right. You know, increasingly, there's other ways to identify that shopper and begin to collect and gain all that data. So I, I think retailers today thinking about this need to not just have themselves locked into it's either a loyalty program or nothing. They need to consider the full scope of how they can do this. Yeah, and, and, and frankly, you know, I, I was listening to some podcasts myself the other day, and one of the things they were talking about is that an effective, a really effective loyalty program is where the customer is actually willing to pay to be part of the program, then you have yes. to pay the customer to keep them on, right? Yeah, and, well, I, yeah, look at Amazon Prime, you know, look at, look at what's out there. Exactly, exactly. So I, I think, you know, I think, you know, that's something that we would encourage retailers to do is just think about personalization separate from loyalty. Loyalty is a way of getting customer identified data. And, and you know, your program to identify customers could be as simple as doing something interesting with the data and giving it back to the customer and saying, hey, here's what you've been spending on. You want to keep track of your spending. We can provide you receipts and whatever it is, additional value that you can drive that doesn't have to tie with reduction of price of the shelf. Right. right. Yes. And so I think that's step two is make sure you have uh, customer identified data. And yep. I think once you have that basic mix, then I think you've got something really incredible because then you essentially have, you know, a bunch of Lego bricks in your hand that you can put together any which way you want. So yep. think about, think about it. If you don't have, if you don't have customer identified data, it's like saying, Hey, here's a Lego design, but I'm not going to give you the Lego bricks to go build it. Right. Right. So yeah it becomes a building block to designing whatever it is. And it's not like one size fits all. Everybody has a unique approach to how they want to go to market, how they want to uh, provide value to their customers. Uh, but, you know, think of it exactly like a bunch of Lego bricks. You can build anything you want once yeah. you have the basics in your hand. Right? Yep. Yep. No, you're absolutely right. Right. So I think the how about it, you know, so what does it do? You know, what, what does a typical platform do is, it really tries to give you insights into individual customer behavior, right? So you're pulling all this data and typically, you know, you, you, you know, see systems will require things like uh, T logs, which customer identified tags, you know, whether it's some masked phone number or loyalty card number, yep. some unique identifier, which says this is a unique customer, right? Some pricing file, your item file, your category hierarchy. So like basic information that's required 
so that with every transaction that happens, there is some system that's using that information to update the customer's purchase behavior, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, and I think a very simple example, Gary, for me is there's a there's a retailer that we shop at, a supermarket that we shop at, and you know we go buy pretty much. I've got to say, eighty percent of my purchases are the same, right? Yeah. And but I find that this retailer is probably not using any of that information because I keep getting promotions for stuff that I never buy that they want to sell me. And, you know, this, yeah. this classic, it's a classic case of trying to fit a square peg into a round hole, right? Yeah. It's, it's going to fit because, I'm, you know, you know what I mean, right? Yeah, there are still way too many retailers that remain, you know, I think of it as being sort of uh, uh, vendor-driven, product-driven instead of customer-focused, right? Right. You know, it's, you know, what, what does Kellogg's want me to promote this week or, you know, Coke's got some uh, deal on or they're paying me to put out, put it on the front page of the ad or a special display. So I'm going to sell that instead of sort of flipping okay, the, right. the, the equation around and saying, hey, I've got these customers. What do I need to provide each of them to get them to shop with me this week? Right. So, so what does these shopper profiles or these individual shopper behavior does and remember, you know, since it's the cloud, you can store an infinite number of parameters for each shopper and really get detailed about different behaviors around brand preferences, categories, frequency of purchase, all kinds of things. And you can start tailoring individual customer journeys. And that's really where it gets interesting and fun because these systems yeah. can scale to the point there where they can deal with individual customers, send out personalized communications, personalized offers, uh, set prices, which will uh, you know, bring customers into the store. And then even, and, and I think the, the biggest thing, Gary, is that we can start actually measuring the impact. Right? Yes. And I think so for so long, marketing has been, I think a lot of reputation that marketing has gained is people are not able to measure what, uh, campaign does, or it's too vague. It is, it's very yeah. difficult. To measure. So it's kind of like this, there's something happening, some mumbo jumbo happening and somehow the sale happens. But right. I think personalization and some of these technologies, because there's measurability involved, you can actually see what's the impact of, you know, what I'm doing because you can record every individual customer interaction. So you know, if it's effective or not. Yeah. So, so I, I think, you know, listening to you, I think the other thing that's happening here is again another paradigm shift right and it's all enabled by technology today but it, you know practitioners in this area even around personalization up until recently you know have been sort of living in this world of segmentation and i know many retailers you know you can look at some of the biggest players in the industry you know have created dozens if not hundreds of uh, different segments of their shoppers, right? And they put those together and understand what brands are important to this segment and so on. But it's still about segment-driven as opposed to truly the individual shopper-driven. And I think that's what you're leading to here and where technology is taking us. Yeah, completely. And I think I, I love your analogy with uh, your doubters, dabblers, and devotees and disciples. Because I think that's that's a that's a great analogy in terms of how people see. Ultimately, you're dealing with people, and I think nobody wants to be bucketed 
in anything just because of some broad characteristics. I think it's useful for you to understand where your business is going, the demographic, the makeup of yeah. your customer yeah. base. So to understand makeup of your customer base, having segmentations, obviously, you know, a, a great way to do it because you're trying to identify distinguishing characteristics of your of your customer base. But in terms of relationship and dealing with them and engaging with them, it has to be done on a one-on-one -on -one basis, right? Yes. And I think that's that's how I see the difference between segmentation and personalization. Yeah. Segmentation is for you to understand your customer base, to see who's coming to your store from a broad characteristic perspective. But when you actually go to market and engage, you know, when I walk into a store, the manager is not saying, okay, you're approximately five feet, nine inches brown, and you got this kind of hair. So I'm going to bucket you. Right. He's dealing with me as an individual person. He's not yeah. looking at my attributes at that point in time. Yeah, no. Yeah. So, so you're absolutely right. You know, those segments, effectively the way i always thought of it was you know they're a scorecard it's how i keep track of the business right how am i doing um uh but that is different differentiated from how i actually go to market and interact with shoppers right that's today on a true individual one-to-one -one basis right. and it's and only Correct. And this is born out of the limitation of computing, right? So right. when you couldn't deal with a million customers one by one, it was easier to put them into four different buckets and then deal with them as, you know, four different entities, yes. right? But we, that, we don't have that limitation, but it looks like, you know, some of that thought process is kind of carried on, but that limitation, that lid is gone. You don't need to think about it. So it can be a segment of one. Now. Right. But, but the, there's still a lot of people out there in the industry that, you know, are very knowledgeable around this area, but they're still, I don't want to say stuck, but, you know, they still have sort of that mindset of, of how they're viewing this whole space. And it really has evolved and moved on be, because of the tools that are available now. Correct. Correct. And I think, you know, I think the segment-based approach was obviously the best possible approach given the technology and the limitations that existed yep. 10, 15, 20 years ago, but it's no longer the case. So I think retailers can kind of wake up to the possibility of being able to do this on a one-to-one -one basis. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, the things that you can do with that approach, Gary, you know, are endless. There's, there's just no end to where this rich data and these insights can uh, permeate into your organization, whether it's from marketing automation or, you know, in-store, you know, experiences, uh, empowering your, your in-store personnel with data about shoppers to be able to assist them in the store, uh, whether it's wellness driven. I mean, there's just so many ways that this data goes. So I think, I think one thing we want to stress on this uh, episode is that you know, don't think of personalization as this, I wish I could type of thing and someday I'll get to it. Right. It is the, you know, we, like we talked about, it's customer expectation nowadays, right? Yes. It's trying to stay ahead of the competition. It's, you know, you don't want it to become a matter of survival. You want to get in the game before and stay ahead of the curve, so to say. That, 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 that's right. And I, I think another dimension to that is, you know, that, that retailers can't think of this as a more sort of static, almost batch type process. It's got to become, you know, more towards real time, interactive, evolving, constantly learning type of approach. Totally. Absolutely. Right. And I think, 
you know, I mean, there's, there's huge things coming out in the, in the future, right? So there's been a lot of talk about, uh, I know we've mentioned it on one of our previous episodes, the metaverse, and it's, you know, it's, it's real, right? It's, it's happening. Yes. It's happening because there's just an incredible amount of uh, focus and most retailers out, out there might think, what the heck is the metaverse? Well, well, you're going to find out about it soon enough. Trust me, there's going to be some documentaries that come out there. But think of it as a as a as a way to experience your store in a virtual environment. Yes. Right? And yep. uh, there's going to be, and that's digital, right? So we're talking about the next iteration of the web. Right now, the web, you experience the web through your browser, right? You have download a browser and you visit websites and so on and so forth. But soon, that experience is going to change. It's going to become where you can put on a headset and then you can literally walk to one from one store to another virtually and actually enter the store. So you, if you don't get comfortable with data, if you don't get comfortable with interacting with your customers, these things can become a real challenge for you. And we're not talking about, you know, 30 years from now, we're talking about, you know, two to five years from now, these experiences, I don't know come around yeah and, and even uh, you know augmented reality is here today right yes right. for the most part it's through your smartphone but it's here and you know uh what i'm reading within the next year or so apple samsung are going to have their next generation of smart glasses uh that the right. world is going to become interactive to us so so i think you know it's easy obviously you know listen we're, we're gary you and i mean we're just sitting here talking right but the, the people listening to us, they actually have to sign the checkbooks. They have to invest the money and there's cost and there's time and there's, you know, risk involved with this. But I want you guys to think about the flip side of it, which is what happens if you don't, if you don't yes. go that way, right? Which is technology is only moving forward. It's going to get more sophisticated. And there's these new methods of interaction that come around the gap between where you are and where you need to get to to catch up just widens. So if you don't get out of the starting blocks now, it just gets more difficult. And all we're trying to say here, Gary, I think is that it's not that complicated. There's, there's, you know, these technologies exist, the solutions that exist, there's providers that'll, that'll happily partner with you to get the ball rolling and you can yeah. get started where you are. But I would encourage you guys to think about going down that path and exploring what it is. Yeah, and I'll even go a step further and say, I don't think retailers have a choice. I, I think this is, I mean, this is what's going on today. This is what's driving competition at some of the biggest retailers uh, is this type of, of intelligence and knowledge about customers. So I don't think retailers really have a choice at the end of the day. And you know, it's not as expensive or as costly as many think. You know, when you look at how retailers have traditionally spent, you know, marketing and advertising, you know, the printed weekly ad and distributing that and so on and so forth, you know, moving into the digital world can actually be, be more cost effective, much more cost effective than, you know, historical mass marketing. So there's a lot that can be done here. Oh. There's no question about it. And I think you, you think about cost and effort. I, you know, if you actually adopt personalization and, you know, in the broad sense that we're talking about, you're talking about actually increasing your margins, right? You're talking yes. about, it's actually, you're losing out. You're losing out on potential increase in margins because you're not adopting this technology. So we just want to ease your fears about adopting this technology, right? And we want to, you know, it's, it's, 
It's actually not as difficult as, as people make it out to be. So go out there, explore. If we can be of any help in helping you find a solution, we'll be more than happy to. You can reach us at the retail approach at birdseye.com. You know, we're constantly bringing uh, guests here who are at the forefront of technology, talking about trends and changes. But all of that only makes sense if you are open to moving forward. You know, you got to get out of that fear box and say, I'm going to explore and it's going to be okay. So, yeah. 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 And Gary, this has been a great conversation. I, I'm, you know, I'm sure you know, there are going to be people out there who find some value. I think your experience, your background and actually doing it is, is incredibly helpful here. Well, and I, I think it's a good combination of, you know, I, I can certainly point to, you know, everything I've learned and, and, you know, what other retailers have learned here through the, the short history of this whole space. But, you know, it's fascinating to understand what technology is enabling retailers to do today. And it, it's truly exciting. So, no, great conversation. And uh, I'm sure we're going to be continuing. Yep, absolutely. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast. And as usual, I want to thank Stephanie Doherty for putting this together. And we'll keep this conversation going. More interesting guests coming on down the road. I know two episodes with me and Gary. Maybe you're saying that's enough. You know, we need to hear some new voices. <laughs> but, uh, we'll be back with some amazing guests here on uh, the Retail Merge again. Thank you for listening and see you next time. Make sure to join us every Monday and connect with us at The Retail Perch on Instagram and Facebook. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us at theretailperch at birdseye.com. Until next time, this is Shaker. And this is Gary, signing off. 